So Psalm 106, if you care to know, will be week 168, month 39, hour 115. Father God, as always, we thank you for our salvation. We pray your blessed service this morning. Give us some insight into thy word. Make these psalms real to us. They are personal. They are powerful. They are precious. And we pray as always, Lord God, for our weak brethren around the world and those that can't be with us this morning, those that are suffering persecution, whether it be personal or uh, in a general sense, we pray for them, of course, and we pray for those that are out today doing frontline ministry work, pre and post their Lord's Day services. And we pray you'll take care of the service this morning, bless the live stream. And we thank you, Father, for the grace you've shown us over the last three years. And we look forward to a brand new month, being the month of July, to do more street work, more Bible teachings, and to spend more time with you and your word. We pray for this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So like I say, Psalm 106 will be week 168, month 39, hour 115. And it's been a tremendous blessing uh, to me personally over the last three plus years now to keep working through the book of Psalms. Historically speaking, you would have music written for the Psalms and the Levites and uh, the other priests would sing and worship and the Psalms would be read out sometimes in the presence of royalty but mostly in and around the... it would start off with the uh, tabernacle, later the uh, temple and of course the, the Lord Jesus Christ and the Apostles towards the end of his ministry, would also sing a hymn or two. And you can be sure they would sing the hymn, uh, they would sing the psalms. But for us, what we've done over the last three plus years now, is read every single psalm and attempt to cross-reference uh, the psalms with the New Testament and also bounce back and forth in other parts of the Old Testament. So let's start today's Lord's Day service and uh, 48 verses will be at least a two Sunday study and uh, we'll just park up probably in the first 11 or 12 verses and see what the Lord shows us. Psalm 106, let's pick it up in verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. O give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever and praise God it does. Keep your hand there and go to Luke chapter 18. Scripture with scripture is the only way to go and uh, it does frustrate me at times when I come across mostly neo-evangelicals doing what they call word studies and they go to the Strong's Concordance, pick out words and they say well what you should do is uh, do a word study on the word of God to get the true meaning of the text. No that's not what you should do, that's the last thing you should do. You don't want to do a word study, <coughs> you want to allow the verses to interpret themselves, scripture with scripture. So 106 again, and then Luke 18, we get these two passages together. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Do you thank him? Do you thank him for your health? Do you thank him for being able to read the word of God or hear the word of God? Do you thank him for the food which you enjoy? Do you thank him for being alive? Do you thank him for being saved? Do you praise him uh, for... It could be major things, minor things, it makes no difference, but if you are saved, you should thank him. You should be grateful to him, because without him you would be nothing. For he is good, that's an important part of the verse, 
For his mercy endureth forever. His mercy is something which we do not deserve, but we receive it due to God's greatness, God's goodness. Luke 18, Luke 18, and pick it up in verse 18. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit <clears throat> eternal life? This man uh, starts with the belief that uh, Christ was good. Of course, he was good. He is good. But this goes back to man having a high view of man. Man in his best dates is altogether vanity. There isn't a just man on the face of the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And this is a big problem today. Society think that uh, we, as mankind, are basically good. We are not. And they say there's no devil. Uh, it's just man's inhumanity uh, towards mankind. Or turn it around, you get the uh, post-millennialists and the amillennialists saying the devil is already chained up in hell. Well, if that's the case, who's doing his work? As somebody once said. A certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what should I do to inherit eternal life? First of all, you can't inherit everlasting life. Eternal life is a free gift. But of course, this is a Jew under the law. His understanding of grace is skewed. It's like the Trinity. The Trinity is veiled in the Old Testament, but revealed in the New Testament. Look at 19. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good, save one, that is God. And this gets quoted every Sunday at Speaker's Corner. Uh, the Muslims and the Christians... And they look to pounce the Muslims on new Christians and say, well, there you are, you see, your man, Jesus, uh, says, why do you call me good? None is good but one, that is God. But of course, turn the question around, are you saying that Jesus wasn't good? You say he's a prophet, don't you? If he was a prophet, of course, he's more than a prophet to us, but if he was a prophet, are you saying he wasn't good? Of course he's good. The term good means moral excellence, moral perfection. Only God is morally good, morally uh, perfect. Absolutely true, so far so good. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honour thy father and thy mother. And he said, all these have I kept from my youth up. I, cer I certainly doubt that. But uh, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. And read on. 22. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, so all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, come, and follow me. Come, follow me. He told Simon Peter, follow thou me. Go back to Psalm 106. Just for the record, if you were to give up all of your wealth tomorrow, and pass it out to the poor, you wouldn't be saved. you still go to hell. Because uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. Again, scripture with scripture. It's always uh, unfortunate when you come across groups like the Jesus Christians, a Christian cult that take verses out of context and try to go back to a sort of commune setup, which you find back in the book of Acts. And they really do kick against any kind of monetary gain. And they say, well, what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. And they sort of hold hands and dance. It goes back to Karl Marx twisting the scripture. But of course, the book of Acts, just for the record, is an account of the Jewish community. Jews living in Jerusalem, waiting for, uh, not knowing of course, waiting for the gospel of grace, the gospel of the grace of God to be revealed. It was voluntary, not compulsory, and if you read the rest of the scripture, you don't find that amongst the Gentiles. So what Jesus is doing uh, to this young ruler, is he's humbling him, first of all, 
and he's making it clear that his wealth cannot save him. Book of uh, Mark, it says the Lord loved him as he beheld him. And he would say, you're not far from the kingdom of God. So, so far, scripture, scripture, it all fits nicely. Go back to Psalm 106, verse 1 again. Praise ye the Lord, only the Lord. O give thanks unto the Lord. Give him your time, give him your money, why not? Uh, give him your heart. If he has your heart, he has you. If he doesn't have your heart, he doesn't have you. It's as simple as that. For he is good, only God is good. We just, showed, we just, we just saw that in Luke 18. For his mercy endureth forever. Don't abuse it. Don't take it for granted. God is good, we are not. God is holy, we are not. God is beautiful, we are not. And uh, sometimes we take it for granted. Mustn't ever do that. And Paul also deals with this in the book of uh, Romans. He says, uh, should we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Going back to those that were kicking against grace. True understanding of grace. Like once you are saved, you are forever saved. And uh, that's a wonderful thought. It's a wonderful truth. It's precious, uh, it's powerful, it's personal, and you should defend it and contend for it. Two, who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? I can't, you can't, we can't. Paul came pretty near. He would say over in Corinthians that he had a perfect understanding of this or that, but even that isn't the whole story. He was still living in the flesh, in my body, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And sometimes just silly sins, small sins, can really hold you back. They can pull you down. Uh, sometimes it can be pride. Uh, it can be awkwardness. Uh, it can be some insecurity that holds you back. And sometimes you've got to stop yourself from saying too much. Uh, sometimes you want to speak to a person on the streets. And the next thing you, you know, you are preaching at them. It's like a monologue. You've got to watch your tongue. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all, all his praise? We can't, but Jesus did. And that's why he would say, He that has seen me has seen the Father. If you want to really understand who and what God is, study the Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I always say this to people that contact us who are dry or don't feel particularly close to the Lord or feel somewhat at a step with Almighty God. I say, go back to the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What saith the scripture? Study the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at him. Read about him. Profile him if you want. So get close to him. Understand him. Look how he deals with any situation. The ruler. Luke 18. Try and get your head around that. The lady caught in adultery. John 8. Look how he dealt with that situation. Uh, the Pharisees. Matthew 23. Look at how he dealt with those uh, people. Or young people. Old people. The apostles. What was he like with his father in heaven or the Holy Ghost? You know, take the time to look at him, profile him, study him. And the more you do that, the more you get closer to him and he gets closer to you. And you realize some of your hang ups aren't so major. It's mostly in your mind. Verse three. Blessed are they that keep judgment, that keep judgment. And he that doeth righteousness at all times. Go to John chapter 7 John chapter 7 and then go to Romans chapter 10 John 7 24 judge not according to the appearance but judge righteous judgment that's also found over in the 
I think it's First Samuel, where the Lord looks on the heart, but man looks on the outward appearance. What do they say? Don't judge a book by its cover. So much truth in that. Judge not according to the appearance. That's too shallow. It's too superficial. You've got to go a lot deeper into uh, what you are looking at before you make a judgment. But judge righteous judgment. That's the key. And yes, you are told to judge. And if you don't judge, there's something wrong with you. If you are a parent, you made a judgment as to what school to send your children to. Uh, if you are an employer, you made a judgment as to which employee uh, to hire. And uh, if you are in the military, uh, you made a judgment as to who should do what, at what time. So don't pretend you don't pass judgment. You do every moment of every day. And if you didn't, you'd be, uh, you'd be a fool, quite simply. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. And uh, keep your hand and go back to Psalm 106 and 3 again. Blessed are they that keep judgment. They make a judgment. They judge themselves. If we should judge ourselves, we should not be condemned with the world. First uh, Corinthians 11. Uh, but if we don't judge ourselves, we are chastened of the Lord. That we should not be condemned with the world. That's why it's important before you break bread to confess your sins to God Almighty. And that's one of the reasons, not all, not always, one of the reasons why Christians are sometimes sick. Because they have sin which haven't yet confessed. Not always, but sometimes. Uh, Job had no specific sin, but he was sick for a period of time. Paul had no uh, specific sin, but he was sick for a prolonged period of time. And in both, in both occasions, in both situations, the devil was whipping Job and also Paul. With Job it was self-righteousness, uh, with Paul it was to humble him. But nothing majorly uh, visible on the outward appearance. So don't be too quick to judge a brother or sister who's not well, or who's suffering with an illness, that there's some terrible sin taking place in his or her life. That's not how it works. Uh, and he that doeth righteousness at all times. Now go to Romans 10. Righteousness at all times. It's always good to, to read the history books. And I mean all the history books. Study secular history. Religious history. Uh, people sometimes say. All you need is a Bible. That's not true. Uh, for the Jews. The apostles. They had something called the, the Targums. The Targums. And the Targums uh, were Aramaic commentaries. On the Hebrew Old Testament, the Tanakh. And you also find David and Paul quoting secular sources in the scriptures. Uh, I was left a very strange comment about maybe a month or so ago. Somebody took great offense to me offering my Romans commentary. And uh, this lady, you know, made a real song and dance about uh, putting out books, commentaries. And I thought, let me ask you this, sister. I said, uh, Do you go to a church? And she said, She did. And I said to her, do your men teach and preach the scriptures? And she said, they did. And I said to her, do you realize they've obviously studied somewhere under someone? They've read books. I mean, any man of God, if he's worth his uh, weight in gold, will study scriptures, all scriptures. He'll study commentaries. Uh, John Calvin, take him or leave him. Uh, he read many books. Martin Luther read many books, wrote many books. Uh, Tyndale, another great man of God. Uh, Wycliffe. John Huss, I mean, all these people that have left a mark on history have all uh, read books and they've written books. Don't tell me that your pastor just reads his Bible and nothing else. That's ridiculous. Fox's Book of Martyrs, 
that was a must read in the 17th century. So if you want to be consistent with scripture and with yourself, you have to inform yourselves as to what's going on. Of course, too much learning isn't always a good thing. Solomon says that, and I think it's Festus in the book of Acts, that's true. Uh, but if you're reading about the Lord, and you want to know about the Lord, and you want to grow and reach more people, you can never learn too much. You can never uh, make a good impression, or you can never, you can never underestimate your opponent <coughs> if you know what he or she believes. So don't run away from being informed or educated. That's what the cults like to trap their people. We know a chap who was a Jehovah's Witness for 50 years, and he went to Germany back in the 1970s, was there for over a decade, did very menial jobs, very difficult uh, living by the sounds of it. <coughs> and he was working in restaurants, McDonald's, one particular place. And it wasn't uh, a great place for him to be living in or working around. And uh, he wanted to go to university. He wanted to study, I think, physics, chemistry, chemistry yeah, physics. and physics. And they said, oh, no, they said, uh, Armageddon's coming. You don't want to spend your time studying this or that. And he didn't study this or that. And he did menial jobs. Of course, what they don't tell you is the men who run the Jehovah's Witnesses are all multi-millionaires. Mm -hmm. And they're pretty well read. And they've all been to private schools. But they don't want you, the foot soldier, to know what you are able to know. <coughs> Romans 10, <coughs> verse 1. <coughs> Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That's a tough passage for those that hold to Calvinism because they believe that God has chosen one group of people uh, before time began in that particular generation and only such people during that uh, time frame and the others have been left to just go to hell basically. They call that predestination, they call that limited atonement and they've just released a book about Calvinism and it's entitled, it's, it's, uh, it's titled, it's called, uh, Is Calvinism and the Tulip Biblical? It's 175-page book. Get it and read it. And before you start jumping up and down about books and this and that, just be consistent. If you are the sort of person who thinks that book shouldn't be passed around, uh, then you need to tell your pastor to repent of uh, studying church history or philosophy, which they would have done at seminary. <clears throat> and you get my you get my uh, my gist of course brethren my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved here's a man who had perfect knowledge of almost everything he wants the Jews to be saved for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God that's so true they certainly do but not according to knowledge wisdom for they've been ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness uh, the Sabbath, the uh, feast days, the dietary restrictions, uh, not speaking to the Gentiles and hiring Gentiles to run their businesses during the Sabbath, which you can't do, based on Exodus chapter 20. And this is the problem with organized religion, of course. Have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. That's the main reason that most people will go to hell forever. It's not just down to, I love my sin, I won't give it up. No, it's much deeper than that. But this way, you don't go to hell for being a liar or a thief or an adulterer or a fornicator or 
an armed robber or a paedophile. They're all wicked sins. And you'll, you'll perish in hell for those sins. Don't get me wrong. But that's not why you go to hell. You go to hell because you won't submit. You won't bend the knee to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. That's the key. That's the reality. Go back to Psalm 106. And that's why so few people are going to make it. That's why the vast majority on that wide road to destruction, they won't give up their religion, their self-righteousness. 106 verse 4. Remember me, O Lord, with the favour that thou bearest unto thy people. O visit me with thy salvation. Go to Luke 23. Luke 23. Somebody once said the worst thing that God can do to a sinner is just ignore him. Mm. And I believe that's probably very true. Mm. Uh, that's why you find so much blasphemy in Hollywood and online. They want to push God away from them. And he will do that. God is a gentleman. He won't force you to believe on him. Uh, Luke 23. And uh, cast your eyes over verse 42. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Go back to Psalm 106 again. Remember me, O Lord, with the favour that thou bearest unto thy people. O visit me, O visit me with thy salvation. And of course, salvation, uh, going back to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua, Joshua, and Jesus means salvation or Jehovah saves. Uh, this time go to Luke chapter 2 Luke chapter 2 and pick it up in 20 29 Lord Simeon speaking now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word for mine eyes have seen thy salvation it's a person not just a thing or principle, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. Christ is the Saviour for the Jew and the Gentile. Go back to Psalm 106. And that's why I've said so many times over the years that if the Jew and the Arab could get together and do so through their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, what's a different world we would be living in today? All the attacks that Israel puts up with on a regular basis uh, could all be just uh, eradicated overnight if the Jew and the Arab got together and bent the knee, going back to the righteousness of God and would submit to the righteousness of God. We call that imputation. Very simply, Christ says on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There's a picture of a man under the judgment of God dying a cursed death. Curses everyone that hangs on a tree. The cross is a tree, not a literal tree. The term tree means an accursed death. And Christ, innocent, is dying an accursed death. He's dying as a criminal would die uh, for doing wrong. But of course Christ didn't do any wrong. The approaches of them that approached thee fell on me. And God has made sin, or Christ has made sin for us. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. And that's not the subject, which unfortunately doesn't get preached enough. From the pulpits, when you listen to preachers preaching, imputation, glorification, redemption, sanctification, justification, uh, 
adoption. These are all words which need to be studied very carefully if you are a Bible-believing Christian, but more specifically if you are a preacher. Go back to Psalm 106, please. Uh, pick it up in verse 5. That I may see the good of thy chosen. Again, only God is good. That I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation. That I may glory with thine inheritance. Three parts of this particular verse. Good of thy chosen. Rejoice in the gladness. And uh, glory with thine inheritance. Just key words. Or three key words to pick out. Three beautiful words to pick out. Or three beautiful parts to pick out. Let's break this down. Go to John 13 first of all. John chapter 13. And then go to John. Let's see now. 15. And then go to Matthew 20. 21. Uh, John 13. 13. 18. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen. Again, this gets quoted by our Calvinist friends to suggest that people are chosen for salvation before time began. And only a few at that, whereas the vast majority are chosen for damnation. I've got a whole section about that in my book. I quote Calvin verbatim on that awful doctrine. Old King James comes along, James Stewart, and he calls it damnable doctrines. And I've got a quote from John Wesley who really does take that view to task. But that the scripture may be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. That goes back to the serpent, book of Genesis. That's also picked up in, I think it's uh, Romans 16, uh, the heel and the head, so on and so forth. But the first part of verse 18, I want to look at now. I speak not of you all, I don't speak about all of you. I know whom I have chosen for service, not salvation. But that the scripture may be fulfilled. Thy word is truth. Uh, the scripture cannot be broken. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Going back to the, uh, the devil of course. But inside or behind the devil. Or Judas. And of course the devil is behind Judas. And also inside of Judas. I think it's Luke 22. It says how Satan entered into Judas Iscariot. And in John 6 Judas is called a devil. Which is another subject for another day. Uh, jump over to chapter 15. John 15, 15, and look at verse 16. You've not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. They are a priesthood, of course, and it builds. Ordained you that you, that, uh, that you should go and bring forth fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And over in uh, Galatians, and also the earlier part of this chapter, to bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Go to Matthew 21. So, you can be a fruit inspector, as the old expression goes. Uh, but that can also cause self-righteousness if you're not careful. When you try and judge somebody else's spirituality, their growth. I want Matthew 21... Uh, let's see now, 21, uh, 43. Therefore say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you, the Jews, and given to a nation. We are a peculiar people. We are a royal priesthood. Our citizenship is 
from heaven, from whence we look for our salvation, a royal nation, a royal priesthood, part of a nation of God, we are called out of every nation under the sun, given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. Go back to Psalm 106. So the fruits are going to vary, differ. Maybe one of us, some of us can do more than others. Uh, and that's why you've got to be careful not to become too judgmental when you come across people who don't do what you do. This past week, a guy walked up to me on the street and uh, it was pouring with rain and I was trying to speak to him under my my hoodie and uh, I said to him, take a tract. Oh, I'm already a Christian, he said. Yeah. I said, well, take it anyway, pass it on to somebody who's not. And he wouldn't take it. Yeah. And I kept pressing him gently. And I said to him, uh, you know, what's your story? Well, what about you? He said, what church are you from? I said, we're not a church, we're a ministry. You know, we travel all over the northwest of England and sometimes further afield when we can do so. And I said to him, you know, people need, people need to hear the gospel to be saved. And you can't just stay in your four walls and listen to your pastor. You've got to go onto the streets. You have to do it. And if you are men and you're part of a fellowship, you should be doing it. I had to sort of push this older chap to take a tract, which eventually he did, almost under duress. <laughs> But I said to him, your fellowship should be on the streets preaching. And he wouldn't have it. And he said to me, I'm so annoyed. He said, there's always this guy comes to this town, he said, and he's always shouting his head off. I said, well, who is he? I've never seen him. Oh, he's here all the time, he said. And I was so angry last week, I wanted to go and shut him up. I said, listen, I said, you don't get in the face of a preacher. You should back up the preacher. You know, even if he's wrong, okay, take him aside later and speak to him. You know, but don't do it in front of the people, the, the passing, you know, the passing world. That's dishonouring God Almighty, and you'll be judged for that. And he was such a self-righteous chap, full of pride. And it's guys like him which, unfortunately, are not doing anything for the Lord. But at the same time, I can't be too judgmental and write him off altogether. But from what I could see and hear during our brief conversation, the torrential rain wasn't very inspiring. That I may see the good of thy chosen, 106 verse 5. That I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation. Here's a Jew under the law. But we're going to put it into the New Testament now. We are the nation of the Lord. That I may glory with thine inheritance. Our salvation. Thine inheritance. Take not thy Holy Spirits from me. It's all of the Lord anyway. What you have belongs to God anyway. It's not your own. That's why it's always uh, sad when people get to the end of their lives. And they start to write their wills out. And it really breaks their heart when they have to leave money to such and such a person. Or you think of a supermarket at the end of each day, they have to drop their prices. breaks their heart. Knock off 20 pence, 30 pence. Or if you're an American, I don't know, a few nickels or a few cents. Half a, is it a dime? Half a dollar? Or if you're in Europe, uh, yeah, euros, haven't they? Or whatever the currency you, you know, whatever the currency you have. You know what I'm saying, of course. Half a dollar, it breaks your heart. It breaks the heart, doesn't it? Or 50 pence. Oh, it really breaks my heart, you know. Was it Marx who said he used to hear, he used to love hearing the tills ringing? Was it Marx, Marx and Spencer? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's sad, isn't it? That these multi-billionaires, and all they look forward to is going to their supermarkets and hearing those tills ringing. They're the old tills, of course. Now it's all digital. In fact, not much longer. It'd be uh, no cash at all, all digital. Mark of the beast. Six. <coughs> We have sinned with our fathers. We, fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. It's very rare you hear that today. Go to Daniel 9. 
I saw an article this past week about Nigel Farage, of all people, and uh, he's fallen foul of the establishment in the UK. <coughs> and they've closed his bank account down because he's pro-Britain, anti-the-EU. And they were saying he's anti-the-LGBT, which of course he's not, he's a liberal. Uh, they always throw that in, but he's actually pro-LGBTQ. But he's anti-the-EU, like I say, and they close his account down. He's now a, he's now a, uh, a man without a bank account, which is pretty staggering for the 21st century. I mean, imagine shutting down all the anti-Christian accounts. Imagine shutting Richard Dawkins' account down for the stuff he said against Christianity. It wouldn't happen, of course, or Peter Tatchell, or all those people that travel around the country, or those that write books against the gospel. They don't shut their accounts their accounts down, do they? But they go after people who are mostly conservatives. But here's the thing. Those that are speaking out the most against the LGBT madness and defending the UK, like I say, and anti-EU, anti-immigration, which is out of control, those people, and uh, the transgender movement as well, those people aren't even believers. And that's the irony, isn't it? That the, the goats are calling out the goats for their behaviour. But here's the thing. Could you imagine the state church started to call it out? That would encourage some of the other churches to call it out. And you'd have probably a revolution overnight. It won't happen, of course. But Daniel 9 is a good cross-reference for this piece of scripture. We have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Here's a, Phar here's a Jew. Here's a Jew, not a Pharisee. Here's a Jew. A righteous Jew, and incidentally, we have no idea who wrote Psalm 106. There's no description here. It's irrelevant, of course. But here's a righteous Jew putting himself amongst his people, going back to Christ, putting himself amongst his people. And here's a righteous Jew almost claiming responsibility for the unrighteous Jews, going back to Jesus, uh, taking the sins of the world on himself, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness, there's a word again, of God, that we might be made the righteousness of God, going back to imputation. Daniel 5, same sort of a thing. Daniel 5, a righteous Jew. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and he says the following in verse 5 We have sinned. We have sinned. And have committed iniquity. And have done wickedly. We have rebelled. And have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. This is Daniel speaking. I think it's the book of Ezekiel. The Lord says Noah, Job and Daniel were the best in the Old Testament, basically. And here is Daniel, a eunuch. Here is Daniel. He's been under slavery all of his life. Here is Daniel, a righteous man. Only once I find him... At fault in scripture, I think it's Daniel 2, when uh, Nebuchadnezzar worships him. But even that happens so quickly, I'm not sure it's Daniel's fault really. But that's all I can find uh, fault in with Daniel. But here Daniel, type of Christ, in fact he's also a type of the Holy Ghost. But here Daniel uh, is really humbling himself. In fact, go back to verse 3. Uh, Set my face unto the Lord. Uh, unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes and I set my face unto the Lord God you want to see the face of the Lord for 
And I prayed unto the Lord, my God, my Lord and my God, and made my confession. I said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God. Today they say, awesome God, dreadful, mighty God, keeping the covenant of mercy. There's our word again, mercy to them that love him. And to them that keep his, uh, they, and, and they that keep his, and, excuse me, and them that keep his commandments, we have sinned, and have committed iniquity, and have done wickedly, and have rebelled, even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets. Going back to what I just said a few minutes ago, if the Lord's people today would stand up and speak out, imagine that. Which spake in thy name to our kings, Jeremiah and Co, and uh, Elijah and Elisha as well. Our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Go back to Psalm 106. So, Daniel, type of the Holy Ghost, like I say, type of the Lord Jesus Christ, a righteous Jew, is humbling himself, which is what we should all do today, those of us which are men. And say, Lord, we are guilty, and we are. I know I am. I could do a lot more in my country. I'm sure you could where you are. Uh, even though we are limited in numbers, it's not really the issue, is it? Uh, it's always been the minority that do the heavy lifting. The majority do little, but the minority do the majority. The minority do the most. It's always been that way. Psalm 106, uh, six again. We have sinned corporately with our fathers. It's true for the jews it's true for the church today we are just as guilty as uh, the jews were in the old testament we have committed iniquity if you say if we say we haven't sinned we make him a liar but if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all our unrighteousness we have done wickedly guilty i raise my hands to that i know i'm guilty i hope you are able to say the same about yourself seven our fathers understood not thy wonders in, the, in Egypt. Well, they understood it, but they didn't want to believe it. That's the problem, you see. Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Go back to Exodus. That's where this is being quoted from. And uh, the Jews started as nothing. And they become something, and it could have been everything, but they blow it through sin, apostasy, wickedness, found in verse 6. And the church again starts from nothing, becomes something, could have become, and could have gone on to be everything, but the, but the church gets into sin, compromised, gets very comfortable, puts her feet up, won't speak out against the stuff we've, you know, we just, we've, we've discussed this morning, uh, plays it very safe. We have a guy in our town, he's part of the church army. I think he's a Methodist uh, from memory and he's always giving food to the homeless which is fine but he won't tell them to repent he won't get in their face and say unless you repent you'll all likewise perish again it's a problem they put good works before the Great Commission and that's what I've been spending a lot of time recently speaking against and uh, our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt they remembered not the multitude many aspects of thy mercies but provoked him antagonized him provoked him uh, you think about an animal being shoved with a stick provoked him at the sea even at the red sea exodus 14 14 14 11 and they said unto moses 
because there were no graves and Egypt has taken us away to die in the wilderness, so ungrateful. Murmuring against Moses, murmuring against Messiah. Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? It's not too bad under the Egyptians. It wasn't too bad under the Nazis during World War Two. Not everybody was starving during World War Two. Not everybody was starving during the communist era in Russia. And they're saying the same sort of a thing. It wasn't too bad on the Egyptians. You know, we, we could still get married and have children, you know, live and do this and that, feed ourselves. So ungrateful. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Go back to 106. So you've got the ungrateful Jews kicking against Moses. Contrast that to the ungrateful Jews kicking against Messiah and the church today kicking against Christ saying Lord it's too difficult at times it's too disruptive or it's not politically correct to hold up signs or speak up for you in public we don't want to rock the boats you know we want to enjoy what we have so on and so forth and that's what is a ongoing problem throughout all generations and that's why it's always good to suffer shame for the Lord's sake uh eight Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake. That's salvation. Saved in spite of ourselves, not because of ourselves. Going back to imputation, justification, going back to what salvation actually is as a free gift. That he might make his mighty power, power to be known. For thine is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Matthew 28, power, he gave, uh, to those that believe in his name, he gave power, to become the sons of God, power, uh, Matthew 28, and uh, look at 18, and Jesus came and spake, and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, go therefore and teach all nations, all nations, we are a nation of the Lord's people, we are in his nation, all nations, all Gentile nations, <coughs> all nations, Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. A Trinitarian baptism and also blessing. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, without exception, all of the time, even unto the end of the world. That's a load of statements, not just the church age, not just the tribulation, not just the millennial reign, but until time comes to an end. And the eternal state kicks in. <clears throat> Amen. Go back to Psalm 106, please. Psalm 106. <clears throat> 9. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up. So he led them through the depths as though as through the wilderness. Go back to Exodus 14, please. The Jew has a wonderful past, he really does. And it's always sad when you see Jews uh, missing out on this. I've been watching a few rabbis online over the last couple of days. Very interesting what they believe. <clears throat> and I hadn't realised until quite recently that most rabbis, religious people, don't believe in hell. Believe in reincarnation. And one rabbi said, uh, it's okay, he said, uh, when you die, you get a second chance. You can come back and live another life. And I thought, that's Hinduism. That's uh, Eastern religion. 
that's uh, what the Mormons believe. They call that proxy baptism. And that's why the Jews fell apart. 99 AD. <clears throat> the temple goes down in 70 AD. All their paperwork is burnt, forever lost. They are dispersed. They have no idea which tribe they come from to this day. Not really, anyway. I know some think they do, but they don't really know for sure. And uh, I think it was a council of Jaffa was called around 99 AD. And the Jews said, well, we don't believe in Jesus. He's out. And the church are all idolaters. They worship men. So we need to redefine ourselves as to who we are and what we are. <coughs> and they decided to basically follow rabbinical Judaism. What do the rabbis say? And that's what they do to this day. They follow Rabbi such and such, who quotes Rabbi such and such. Who quotes Rabbi such and such, who quotes Rabbi such and such. They don't really believe in the Tanakh, the Old Testament. They quote it, of course they quote it. But they don't take it literally. They allegorize it, they spiritualize it. And uh, <clears throat> he beat the Red Sea also, and it was dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. Exodus 14 again. 1421. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. And made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided. Go back to Psalm 106. Psalm 106, excuse me, Psalm 106, uh, 10. And he saved them from the hand of him that hated them, and redeemed them from the hand of their enemy, hand of the enemy. Still in Exodus 14. The reason why the Bible is laid out like this is to get you to read it, to study it, to remember it, basically. Because man has a short memory. Man forgets some of the miracles that the Lord did for the Jews, and also for the church. Uh, 14, 14, 30. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dried upon the seashore. Bodies everywhere. Come back to Psalm 106. 11. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. A complete wipeout. It's like uh, the great flood. A complete wipeout. And uh, when God turns uh, his attention to his enemies, there's no way back. It's like uh, cash is going out quick. And uh, the digital currency is coming in quick. And uh, just yesterday I was speaking to somebody about this. And I said, you can't stop it. The mark of the beast is coming. And this person is an atheist, which isn't really, and it's not really an excuse or an explanation. It's rather pitiful, actually. But the reality is the mark of the beast is coming. And it's almost ready to be rolled out. 12. Then believed they his words. If you love me, keep my words. They sang his praise. Go to John 12. Some years ago, there was an, Egypt, uh, an Egyptian. There was an Indian. <laughs> there was an Indian uh, Christian who had a mighty ministry in India. And, uh, yeah, John 12. John 12. Let's see now. Uh, John 12. Yeah. And uh, he had a mighty ministry in India, this Christian evangelist, and he dodged persecution, he dodged, he dodged uh, suffering, uh, he had physical pain afflicted on him, he was whipped and beaten, and he was really treated very badly, couldn't find work. But he came through all of that, 
amazingly, he came to all of that. The beatings didn't deter him. The persecution didn't really stop him. Uh, he, you know, he suffered gladly for the Lord's sake, like Peter and John, Book of Acts, and Paul, whipped. Uh, let's see now. Over, I think, hundred times from memory, his whole back was ripped up, torn up. Could hardly see by the age of by the end of Paul's life. And this Indian evangelist traveled the whole of India, had a real ministry back in the day. But uh, what really ruined him wasn't the persecution from the heathen. It wasn't the pushback from the uh, enemies of the cross. What ruined this Indian evangelist was academia, scholarship. These guys said to him, well, brother such and such, you have a mighty ministry, but do you realize uh, that the miracles aren't literal in the New Testament? And did you know that the scriptures that you quote aren't really correct? In the best manuscripts, they don't say that. And over time, he was basically messed up by scholarship. The Alexandrian cult, who didn't believe the King James was the word of God. Here's an Indian in India, not just using the King James Bible. And of course, his first language isn't English. It's Urdu, Punjab, whatever their language is in India. But here's an Indian learning English, using the King James Bible. Mm. And these guys, who weren't on the streets like he was, who weren't suffering like he was, and these guys, over a period of time, destroyed his faith. Literally destroyed his faith. John 12, 48. He that rejecteth me, and receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Do you have the words of God? This guy had the words of God. Go back to Psalm 106. And... Uh, I mean, it's, it's just typical, isn't it, really? It was the so-called church that messed him up. These religious people destroyed his faith. He drifted for 15 years. For 15 years, this guy drifted. He backslid, got married, had a family. And then one day, one of his kids was seriously ill. And uh, he was so shaken to his core. He said to himself, you know what? I need to go back to God Almighty. Started to pray, read the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Book of Psalms, no doubt. And his faith, his love came back to him. And all that nonsense about uh, the woman caught in adultery shouldn't be there. All that nonsense about Mark 16, the last few verses, shouldn't be there. All that nonsense about 1 John 5 on the Trinity shouldn't be, in the, shouldn't be there. All that nonsense about Son of God should be Son of Man and this and that. And he's not thy holy child, he's thy holy servant. All that nonsense went out the window. And he realised he'd lost, he'd, he'd lost 15 years of his life, this guy, listening to so-called scholarship. And because of that, uh, he repented, apologised to the Lord for following men, not the Lord. And he came back to the Lord. Uh, 106.12 again. Then believed they his words, they sang his praise. And again, John 12 says that his word will judge you in the last day. They soon forgot his works, which is typical of both testaments. Uh, the apostles were always forgetful of the Lord's goodness, greatness. They soon forgot his works, his miracles. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. Go to Jeremiah 23 and we will close. Uh, Jeremiah, see, I think it's Jeremiah. It's Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23, 
there's a chap there's a chap in our town elderly chap and I first spoke to him about a month or so ago and he came over to both of us and uh, he started quoting people like Karl Barth uh, some Catholic mystics like Thomas Akempis and uh, Aquinas. Aquinas as well and uh, obviously a very well read man but had read all the wrong books basically and I said to him I said do you realise I said you've been radicalised not like the Muslims are who do the jihad but you've been radicalised to kick against the simplicity of scripture <coughs> the scripture itself being perfect thy word is truth thy word cannot be broken and here you are trying to tie me up for 20 minutes about and he's quoted some Greek philosophers uh, Plato, Socrates and Nietzsche as well some other people and I thought you're a fool you're pushing 90 walking around with a stick you're not long for this world and you'd rather debate with me about the scripture and who Jesus Christ is and what he means and I said to him you've been radicalised by liberals like those uh, churches in India radicalised by the Alexandrian cult ruined a man's faith for 15 years just knocked him out of the ring for 15 years just ruined him but thankfully came back to the Lord and I did pray for this elderly chap and I saw him back just, just two days ago and again we had a conversation him and, I, him and I and I tried to get him back into the scripture and he wouldn't have it he said well you have your view I have my view I thought well don't call yourself a Christian then because you're not a Christian now Jeremiah 23 is a great place to read and then close and in Jeremiah 23 uh, let's pick it up in verse 16 thus saith the Lord of hosts Lord of armies the Lord is a the Lord is a is a warrior. He's a soldier. He's a general. He's a man of war. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. That could be anybody from uh, Muhammad to uh, Rutherford to uh, Mary Baker Eddy to Ellen White to the popes of Rome uh, to the Christadelphians. That could be absolutely anybody. Absolutely anybody anywhere at any time. They make you vain, like worthless, empty. They speak a vision of their own heart. Ah, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And not out of the mouth of the Lord. That goes back to uh, Elisha and uh, Isaiah and uh, Elijah. Yeah, Elisha, Ija, Elisha, Elisha, Isaiah as well, Jeremiah, and even Ezekiel. They say in the book of Ezekiel, ah, oh, this guy just speaks Proverbs. You can't take him seriously. Just Proverbs. Watch out, 17. They that say unto them that despise me. That goes back to uh, those that hate me, love death. And also goes back to idolatry. Uh, Exodus chapter 20. They hate God, so they picture him. They paint him in ways they should not. The Lord hath said, you shall have peace. What does Paul say? Peace, peace, when there is no peace. You shall have peace. And they say unto every one that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, No evil shall come upon you. That's what they said back in the days of Jeremiah. That's what they say today. There's a guy called uh, Frank Turk in the US, a very popular preacher. And I saw a clip of him a few days ago online. 
being asked about hellfire, the young girl said to him, uh, if I don't believe what you believe, will I go to hell forever? And he said, uh, well, it's not quite uh, hellfire, but uh, it's separation from God. I thought, no, it's not separation from God, buddy. It's hellfire. And because he couldn't harmonize the lake of fire with outer darkness, which is very easy if you read uh, Isaiah 66, Mark chapter 9, he couldn't and wouldn't give this young girl a clear answer. That's your bone, and I mean bone, in a lake of fire, void of eternity, unless you repent. 18. For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord, and hath perceived and heard his word, who hath marked his word and heard it, word, 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 it always goes back to word. Do you have the words of God? If you love me, keep my words. 19. Behold, a whirlwind out of the Lord has gone forth in fury. Even a grievous whirlwind. It shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked. God hates all workers of iniquity. He hates the wicked every day. The anger of the Lord shall not return until he have executed, until he have performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, ye shall consider it perfectly. Latter days, after the church has been removed, during the tribulation, and yes, all Israel shall be saved. Book of uh, Roman says that, but of course, if you do the maths, if you carefully break down who's alive during that time, who survives during that uh, awful catastrophe called the Great Tribulation, I think two-thirds are just wiped out, perhaps more, uh, and I worked out years ago, I think only a third will be saved. Which, based on the numbers today, is just around about a million figure. Mm. Maybe slightly out, it could be less than that. But the, the vast majority are going to just be wiped out. So, 106.12. Then, believe they his words. Not all, of course. Most of the prophets and a tiny remnant. They sang his praise, going back to Exodus uh, Deborah, one example, Miriam, another. They soon forgot his works, went back into sin, back into apostasy. They waited not for his counsel. What does the Lord think about this or that? But lusted exceedingly in the wilderness type of the world for today and tempted God in the desert. Forty years they wandered in the deserts and all that generation that didn't believe were destroyed. Only a few made it into the promised land. And that goes back to the truth, how only a few are going to be saved. And that's why most people who think they are saved are not saved uh, and haven't made their calling and election sure. And the reason for that is they're too busy doing religion. They're too busy doing their good works over the Great Commission. And that's why Romans 10 says how Christ is the end of the law to those that believe. He's the end of this and that. He's the fulfillment of everything that came before him. And that's why it's imperative to go back to the simplicity of Christ, 2 Corinthians 11, and uh, get out of any other system which you think will save you, because it will not. I'm going to close it there and uh, come back next week and finish the 106th Psalm.